You are listening to The Essentials Podcast, episode number one. Good evening, everyone. Thanks for joining us for our first live chat on The Essentials. I'm Pastor Rich from King of Glory. I'm joined tonight by Derek Hackett over on my right, your left, and on my left, your right, Paul Anderson. So thanks for joining us tonight. It's going to be awesome tonight. You guys excited? So. Oh, yeah. I'm excited. We're uh, digging in over the next, how many weeks of this we got? Five months. We're going to be having a live chat for the next five months every Monday night <laughs> thing to talk about a different subject on the essentials. We're going through a special book at King of Glory called Concise Theology by J.I. Packer. This is kind of a resource manual for us. If you don't have one, feel free to pick one up at church or if you're not a member of King of Glory, give us a call. We'll send one to you if you, uh, if you want one. You might be watching this live, or you might be watching a recording on video, or you might be just listening to this as a podcast as you're working out right now. Each week, if you miss if you miss us live, just download it as a podcast or watch the video recording later in the week. We're going to jump in. You can ask a question or make a comment over on the right side of your screen uh, at any time. We're going to jump in and start talking about the sermon yesterday. First, Paul, why don't you kick us off with some comments about uh, Scripture, the Bible, and uh, what we need to talk about tonight. Mm-hmm. Well, um, yesterday you did kind of kick us off with, um, I think it was a good good way to set the foundation for this whole series because you talked about um, kind of the source of where this all comes from, which of course is scripture. And um, really not only is it the source of our authority, um, we also talked about a critical piece, which is, does it function as our true authority? So I think there's... You know, that's a key thing that I think a lot of people recognize, like I think he said yesterday, recognize, yes, Bible's our authority, we believe it's true, all this, but then what role does it play in our lives? So I think connecting the two was was critical. Um, if you missed yesterday, our non-negotiable, yesterday's non-negotiable to kind of give us all a refresher was that Scripture is to be the functioning authority in your faith and life. Scripture is to be your functioning authority in your faith and life. So hopefully you had a chance to listen to that non-negotiable yesterday. Derek, um, talk a little bit about how Scripture historically has played a role, about how God is using the written word basically since the beginning of time. What? Yeah, what, one of the neat things that, I, that you can read if you, if you follow the resource books, he talks a lot about that Scripture... And written word have truly been the guides for God's people from the beginning of time. It's not a new Christian thing. It's not really a new generation thing. It's really, as God has used his people, he has used the written word in order to guide his people. And and if you look in in the second to last paragraph in J.I.'s first chapter of his book, he lays that out for us very well. And I think it's interesting to think about the fact that we're reading scripture and using it as an authority for our lives, just like people were 2,000 years ago. Yeah, page four. If you follow, if you get your book, if you turn to page four on concise theology, he makes a statement. He says that the idea of written directive from God Himself as the basis for godly living goes back to God's act of inscribing the Decalogue on stone tablets. You know, God has chosen to reveal Himself through the written word. Uh, it's a miracle in and of itself that God has chosen to use an in, a human instrument, language, to reveal Himself. To all of society, and so it's it's actually uh, um, incarnation, God in human form, uh, in the written written language. It's been that way for all of eternity, all of history. So, I think you uh, 
you stated this quote yesterday. It's really simple, but I don't think you can really overlook it just because it's simple. And that this comes from Packer in his book too. He says, "What Scripture says, God says." That seems like such a fundamental, basic line, but I mean, really, that's what it's all about. Like that's why we read the Bible. If we want to know about God, it's in the Bible, and that. There's nothing more that you can really say than just a simple statement like that to say that's the importance of Scripture, and that's why we hold it in such high authority as our sole authority. Yeah, I think it, I think if you look at that last paragraph in there where, where it says what Scripture says God says, for in a manner only comparable to deeper mystery of the Incarnation, I think that's an interesting thing to think about when you do think about the Scripture, is that is God. I think a lot of people think of it as a book, but but truly it, it it's God, and I think that mystery of the incarnation with Jesus and using that as an analogy for the scriptures. I think that's amazing. It really blew my mind how J.I. Packer does that there for the Bible is both fully human and fully divine as a way to understand God in scripture. So let's do a quick recap. Uh, over on the right side of your screen, if you're watching live right now, you can submit a question. But if you're watching and recording right now or listening as a recording, each week you have an opportunity to submit a question as well. At the bottom of the page of the essentials each week, there'll be a place where you can submit a question. So maybe after you listen to the sermon on Sunday morning, you want to submit a question either Sunday afternoon or Monday afternoon. We'll get to that question uh, on Monday evening, so then you can listen to that throughout the week. So there's different ways of you to participate. You can participate live or submit a question before the chat begins. Uh, so feel free to ask a question anytime tonight over there on the right side of your screen. We're going to jump in a little bit. Uh, Paul's got a couple questions to get us started tonight. Paul, why don't you get us rolling? Sure. Um, well, this first question, this is something I'll give a little plug for our Wednesday night session, our roundtable. Um, we're going to get into this a little bit more, and that's the idea of interpretation. Um, and this, we could spend hours and days talking about this, but um, we talk about some fundamental truths like the Bible being our sole authority, and you know we take it as God's, God's word, as an errant word, and things like that. Um, but a major problem kind of surfaces, and that is... People read the Bible and they come up with different interpretations of what passages mean or um, not only an individual passage, maybe down to just a small level, but they come up with major doctrinal differences based on interpretation of the Bible. So I think we get into this major dilemma, you know, what happens when different people interpret God's word differently, um, you know. For instance, let's let's say, what are we going to do, for instance, when we disagree with somebody? So we're going to look at a passage, someone else reads that, and they say, we interpret it to mean this. How do we respond? How do we maybe interact? How are we in fellowship with that person who is also claiming to be a follower of Christ, but they have kind of some fundamental differences on interpretation? Yeah, that's a great question, because there's obviously passages of Scripture that I read, that you read, that we're going to interpret differently and come to different conclusions. Um, I would say a couple of things. First is this, is it's important to have a conversation to understand what their underlying assumptions are. So um, understand why. Just really dig into how did you come to that interpretation. Um, please help me understand how you believe that that's what that means from what this says. You know, one way to do it is to say something like this. Well, this is what I'm hearing God say. Um, what are you hearing God say right now. The reason I'm saying God say is because it's scripture. What scripture says, God says. So you want to keep that emphasis on saying this is what God says. So you need to, it's a, it's a way of, it's a non-threatening way of trying to understand where they're coming from. But then also a big piece of this is, are they interpreting that passage in a specific way 
so that they can remain faithful to their tradition or to their system of thought. A lot of times I see this is that you come to a specific passage that might not be just perfectly clear. So what you do is you make it fit into your cultural system or your theological system. So for example, not America, we've been blessed with freedom. I think all of us would agree on that, that something that we don't want to um, talk about lightly. Uh, we want to be thankful for the freedoms we've been given. But when an American reads a Bible passage, especially about freedom, they're really going to interpret and put the emphasis on freedom to make that fit our cultural view of what we believe is best for... We believe freedom is best for all of humanity. But somebody else might read that passage about freedom from a different culture, and they might say, well, no, it's not about political freedom at all thing. You see, we are interpreting it to fit our cultural system, where when we understand somebody else's culture, we might have a better view of the holistic understanding of Scripture. And I, I truly think that that's one of the greatest dangers in interpretation. And I think J.I. Packard points to that in his book, too. If you look at the interpretation chapter, which is sort of what we're talking about a little bit, in that second paragraph... One second, that's pages 6 and yep. 7, if you're following along. Page 6 and 7 in the J.I. Packer book. Yep, and so in that, in that second full paragraph, he says, Each book was written not in code, but in a way that could be understood by the relationship to which it was addressed. And I think that's very important, because a lot of times when we're reading the literal words in there, it's not addressed to me in America. It's addressed to whoever in wherever they were living. And I think that that's a tough interpretation factor because we, we get into this sense of reading it and thinking about, well, this letter was written to me. And in some senses, the letters are written to us. The Holy Spirit uses the letters. And, and the main goal of the interpretation is order and dress what's God doing in my life. But when we're reading it in a literal sense, we need to make sure that we're looking at it. It's understood in a relationship in which it was written. And I think that that sort of a, is a tough thing for a lot of people to come by and to understand. And I think that it takes a lot of work because... A lot of times, I, you know, you read a book and you're like, I, I don't even know who this was written to, what it was for. And without that tools, it's really easy to say, well, maybe it was written to me in my time. I think that's something, um, you know, we have access to God's Word, which is the wonderful thing, and we can read it for ourselves. Um, what you just said, Derek, it kind of brings to light, though, the value of biblical teachers and preachers and theologians and things like that. I think that's a... You know, I would say even that's a means of, of grace that God gives is that he surrounds us with people who um, have studied scripture and can teach it to us um, to help us with some of those things. Because you talk about, some of these, you know, these letters are written to people in a certain time or place. And someone who hasn't studied the Bible in depth and isn't a scholar of the Bible, it's tough for us to have that frame of reference to know, well, what was happening specifically with God's people at the time and so, um, I guess what, what I'm saying there is that there's a value in, in uh, submitting to good teaching and to finding a, you know, a trusted teacher or pastor to help us in that understanding um, to learn the Bible more. Well, the very first thing we see is if you look back at Nehemiah chapter 8, Nehemiah chapter 8, is that when you read Nehemiah chapter 8, the people of God in Israel gather around the written law. Again, God revealing himself through written word. And they read the law together, everybody's standing up. And then after they read the law, people come forward to explain the law in a way that people can understand. Nehemiah chapter 8, verses 1 through 8, if you want to check that out. And so, um, it's from the very beginning of time, God has been using these instruments of His Word plus explanation of His Word for our specific context. So, if, if I want to hear a little more about interpretation, where am I supposed to go? <laughs> 
Wednesday? Are we Wednesday. doing something? Yeah, 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 it's a good point. <laughs> yeah. Good point. Wednesday at 6 o'clock, we're going to have a roundtable discussion. Uh, every Wednesday, not every Wednesday, three Wednesdays <laughs> during the summer, this coming Wednesday, June 5th. Uh, 6 o'clock, King of Glory at Sycamore Center. Feel free to join us there. Supper at 5.30. You can come right at 6, right at 5.30. Just come straight from work. We're going to dig in more interpretation. Now let's turn to um, maybe a, a touchy subject, uh, but one that's very popular in our in our day and age that sometimes really scares people but other people really think and that's the idea of reading the bible literally mm-hmm. um so let's just talk a little bit about i think all of us would agree that we should read the bible literally the question is what do we mean by reading the bible literally yeah. um so let's try and help people flush that out if we can yeah and this is really a it's a tricky one because um when a christian is talking with you know a skeptic or a critic um, or non-Christian, if you will, um, it really gets, uh, it can get sticky because that, uh, that person might say, well, do you take the Bible, you say you take the Bible literally, why aren't you doing this, this, and this? And there are, there's a little bit of a balancing act because when we say literally, we don't always mean literally. And it's trying to figure out like when, when it literally means this, when it's a, you know, representative or symbolic of something and things like that. So, um, I'll let one of you two expound on that more, but I guess I'm just throwing that out there is that this is one of those as far as kind of a apologetics type thing. I think is really a, it's a tricky one, especially, probably it has been for a long time, but what I see in here in today's climate is you, um, because some of these passages are being kind of brought forward and pointed out, singled out as a, you know, for specific issues, then you've got people that are pushing back on that and say, well, you take this literally, but you don't take that literally. So, what do you guys... Well, this is, I'm just going to use an illustration quickly here that maybe is helpful, it's helpful, you guys tell me it's not. But when I say we should read the Bible literally, what I mean by that is this, is that we should do it, we should read the Bible literally for what it says and teaches. So, I believe that the Bible should be read literally for what it teaches. So, for example, if I say to Derek, Derek calls me and says, Hey, are you coming over? And I say to Derek, Hey, I'll be there in a second. What I literally mean is I'm going to be there very soon. I don't, Derek doesn't expect me to be there in one second. But I literally said, I'll be there in a second. But what I literally mean is I'm going to be there in a very short time. So, I believe that human language, the way we speak, we don't always mean, I hope I'm not confusing people here, but what we always mean isn't exactly always what we say. And we talk about this, talk like this every single day. So I guess I have a hard time understanding why, why can't we understand this when it comes to Scripture. So for example, in Scripture, it says that there's going to be arm, armies coming from the four corners of the world. Well, I think all of us would agree here that the world is not flat. We've lived as the world is round. Mm-hmm. But so does scripture, is Scripture saying the world is flat? No, what it's saying is that there's going to be armies coming from all different directions and that armies are going to be covering the whole earth. That's what it literally means, but that's not what it literally says. I don't know if that's helpful or not, or other thoughts. Yeah, I I think that's a great way to explain it. and I think that's hard to understand because a lot of the language used in Scripture comes from a time and place that we don't understand those little nuances to language, right? If Richard says, I'm coming in a second, that's such common vernacular that we all understand that that means he's coming quickly, not that he's going to be here in a second. And nobody would even hold him to that standard. And that's part of when you're studying scripture, that you got to understand that it, 
once again, it's not written to me. It's written in a vernacular in a language that's different than mine. And so you have to understand those little bits and you have to understand the language in which it was written to. There's a nice line in here. I think a lot of times when we interpret scripture, you know, it, we should interpret it as understanding the unchanging truths about God, humanity, godliness, ungodliness applied to and illustrated by the situations in which the individuals and groups found themselves in. I mean, I mean, essentially that's a long way of understanding. And, and J.I. Packard puts that in that last paragraph of the chapter we we're just looking at. That's very interesting because that's sort of what we mean by literal is that we want to understand literally what it's trying to say, not literally what the text says. And that's very hard to do. Yeah, if you look at the bottom of page 7 on the chapter of interpretation in the book, bottom of page 7 in the chapter of interpretation is what Derek was quoting there that you know talks about how the what the Bible is saying in particular situations. And that's what we have to remember is that um, the Bible was written in a specific time in a specific context in a specific human situation. And we need to understand that human situation to understand what the Bible says. Um, so when we talk about reading the Bible literally, what we're talking about is understanding what the Bible's literally teaching. And sometimes what the Bible literally says does not necessarily mean that's what it means, but it's using that saying to teach us something. Uh, so that's why we need to understand the culture and things. Yep, so I think we got a good question in the chat room right now. Margaret asked, um, even though theologians that Paul referenced don't all agree on what various scripture messages passages mean, is there value to exploring these different opinions, or should we just stick to reading what we all agree with? Great question. Um, Paul, you want to comment at all? Yeah, I, I think that's dif difficult. Um, I'm just going to take myself and as, as an example. It it does seem to take some time, like part of maybe maturing in, in your faith is that like a little bit like I mentioned earlier is finding like trusted teachers or pastors um, you know that you believe are are faithful in their interpretation and it's just tricky because you can go out there now and you can find pastors that are leading like huge churches that have a lot of um, a lot of people in their flock you might say and you know their teaching is is not sound or at least it's not in agreement with with what I believe and I, I think you know for kind of the average kind of Christian like myself that it poses a problem so there is value I think in and I think this is just part of the maturity in the faith is that you will hear various pastors preach you will read various things um, and there's certainly I think some some value in understanding these different viewpoints um, because you're going to encounter them at some point, you're going to have, if you're trying to engage people in conversation or just trying to live faithfully in general, you're going to come into some kind of conflict with these different viewpoints or different interpretations. Um, the best, I guess, I can I can say is that you take these in and you just test them with what your most faithful interpretation of Scripture is, and that's coming from... I think a variety of sources that you have come to trust, whether they be pastors or teachers or authors. Um, I don't know how clear, because I, I, I can't give a great fail-safe way of, of coming to that. Um, I think, Margaret, I think you should read people that, that you disagree with. Mm -hmm. I, think it's I think it'll sharpen you. I think uh, spending time with people who are different than you is a good thing. Now, I think we have to be strengthened 
uh, by scripture and by time and fellowship with people from our own congregations and things. But there, there's no harm in listening so that we ourselves can be sharpened. Um, one of the best ways to be able to sharpen yourselves and how you articulate uh, what scripture is saying is by being able to articulate a different side of the argument. And so I'd encourage you to um, listen to those other opinions. But I'm going to go back to this. Always try to understand what's the background or what's the motivation behind the interpretation that they're giving. So, for example, um, why are, is there a political motivation? Is there a um, theological motivation, a cultural motivation? What's the motivation behind the interpretation they're giving? So, for example, I'll just use an example that's used a lot. Baptism is obviously a thing that people disagree on. And if you find two different people, they're going to read the same passage and they're going to interpret it differently. But one of them might be coming to the table and they interpret it a specific way. Why? Because if they don't interpret it that way, their theological system crumbles. And so their motivation is to find a way to get this passage to reinforce what they believe about baptism. They're not letting the passage stand for itself, but rather they're trying to use the passage to defend a position they already have. So again, I'm going to emphasize, listen to people who share a different interpretation and understand their background motivations, their background assumptions that truly understand where they're coming from. But uh, we can move on. Yeah, and I, and I just say that I, I think that that's important because if, if, you don't under, if you're not understanding how they get to where they're going, then it doesn't really matter where they're going. And you can't really ever talk past each other. So I think that's a great point. Um, we have another good question coming in. Um, it says, does a literal reading also require reading the verse in the context of the specific daytime it was written? Um, I, I think that's what I was alluding to earlier a little bit. Um, and I think J.I. Packard was alluding to that. And if, if I understand specific daytime, I, I, it is important because you need to understand when and where and who it was written to and what they were doing in order to understand the little idiosyncrasies of the language and what they were trying to portray. And, and that goes back to like when Rich said, you know, I'll be there in just a second. In the daytime in which scripture was written, some sentence or line or something could mean something totally different than how we may interpret it today. And that's important. Yeah, if you're going to, I'm going to just comment here about if, if you're going to take the literal reading and the literal teaching, you do need context is king. Because I could take the same verse, pull it out, and if I ignore the context, I can make it mean a variety of things. So I'll, this is obviously a far out example. But there's a verse in the Old Testament that says, go to Bethel and sin. Go to Bethel and sin. If I don't look at the context around that, I could pull that verse out that says, <laughs> go, go to Bethel and sin. I could be like, hey, mm -hmm. God's telling me to go to college at Bethel and sin. <laughs> but so you've, what's the context of who's God talking to there and what, what's going on? So context is king. Um, and so, therefore, you just got to read the letter as a whole and understand wh wh why they why are they saying it and and uh, so forth. Yeah, just another one that pops into my mind is um, when Jesus is saying um, when a soldier asks you to go one mile, go two. Um, so this idea of the Roman soldier forcing the people to to carry their gear for a mile, and Jesus says, "Don't don't only go to the one mile, go an extra mile with them." Well, if you were to just read that passage without any of that historical context, I, I mean, I just don't think I would understand what that means. It wouldn't have any real impact on on what that means. And that's just another simple example, I guess, that popped into my mind. That um, fortunately, I, I go back to that's something where because of the 
the teaching that we have that's been passed on through the generations, even now, 2,000 years later, we understand what that means because we have the, the tradition of, of the teachers and everything that they know what Jesus meant at that time, even though we don't know that now in our society. So Not only is day and time important in understanding what it's literally teaching, but the genre in which the letter or the book is written. So, for example, there's different literary styles that the books of the Bible are written in. So, for example, in the Old Testament, some of those books are written as storybooks to teach us something about God or God's, God's people. It's, it's mm-hmm. different than a history book that we would write today. We'd maybe write a history book today to give a bunch of facts about a different things. But some of the books might have been written as a literary style where they're more storytelling to teach us something. So it's important to also understand the literary style in which the book is the book is written to come to a complete understanding of what's being taught uh, by God. Yeah. So some good some good good stuff there. Um, I think and, it's really things. really important. This is something I, I think we may also get into more on Wednesday night. Is um, the fundamental thing um, where what it boils down to for me and and hopefully other Christians as well is that. Um, the fundamental truths of the Bible remain the same. Um, so through these, you know, through the context and the things like that, that um, maybe we don't fully understand things like that, like the big principle truths, the fundamental truths are there. And to me, those, those come through clearly. Um, and that's one thing is, again, um, we're talking about interpretations and people kind of nitpicking on this and that people trying to kind of tear down the the reliability of the bible um because of these little nitpicky things you know that have come down through the years with translations and things none of those things get to the heart of what god's revealing in scripture um those fundamental things like you mentioned in in your sermon yesterday that basically the bible is about salvation about god making himself known so that we can come come to know him and thereby be saved um to me that kind of trumps everything um when we're talking about this other these other things yeah i think we got another good question in the chat room um they're asking what about verses that are prophetic what about verses that you know seem to be in that genre of prophecy how, how do we how do we interpret verses like that I, it's probably the it's probably the most difficult um literature uh, to interpret and understand because it's so foreign to uh, who we are and how we live in a daily in our daily life. Wait, I don't so read for, prophetic messages that so often. So, for example, in the Old Testament, you get a you have the prophet Isaiah coming, he's speaking to this group of people, and uh, he's giving the prophetic message. But that prophetic message actually is fulfilled in Jesus. Um, but yet, that prophetic message had a had a message for them at that specific time. And then yet today, we're sometimes reading the prophecy of Isaiah and trying to give it a message to us. And so we've got to understand um, what was the original prophetic message to truly understand what the message is for us today. So for example, the book of Revelation is prophecy. That had a specific message for a specific group of people at a specific time. When we understand what that message was to that group of people, we can understand what the message of Revelation is to us in our time. Because um, we're living in, in the same... A human nature hasn't changed. And so we can uh, heed the same warnings that God is giving to that group of people to us now. But prophecy is very, 
very difficult because a lot of times prophecy has layers of meaning. It might have some meaning right then and there, but then it also might have some future fulfillment. And so prophecy is difficult and it takes a lot of study to get there, but we should dig in and uh, ask God, the, the Spirit of God, would uh, give us wisdom and discernment. We're coming down to the very end here. We've got about 30 seconds left. It's been great chat. Thank you for the questions that have been submitted live tonight. Just want to do a quick recap. Uh, every week we'll be posting a live chat. We'll be recording on Monday nights. You can watch us live, join the chat, or you can submit a question each Sunday or Monday that we will answer on Monday night. You can watch the recording of the video during the week, or you can download and listen to a podcast of the audio and uh, hopefully you'll find one of those avenues to to take the content and listen a little bit further i want to encourage you to ask your questions make your comments join us on wednesday night june 5th for the round table join us on sunday mornings for worship and if you miss worship download the sermons from the website and uh, if you're not a member of king of glory we hope you enjoyed listening to us and we encourage you to come and join us for worship sometime and uh, join us in this study of the essentials but uh, our main message tonight is Go forth and encounter God tomorrow morning. Encounter God tonight. Open up the scripture because when you open up the scripture, you encounter the living God because what scripture says, God says. So, amen. anything to close out? <laughs> That's good. All right. Have a great week, everyone. Good night, guys. Good night.